The Hippie Hour is a holistic wellness podcast brought to you by me, Hannah, a 20-something interested in everything others might consider hippy-dippy. From astrology to crystals, plants to tarot cards, feminine energy to yoga and meditation, I'm here to help both you and I dig deeper into these topics. Because wellness is involved, and I am a current physical therapy student, I will be citing scientific evidence and credible sources a lot investing alternative medicine pseudoscience. Always consult with your doctor first before deciding to implement any wellness changes. PSA, although essential oils are cool, they are not vaccines. If you are considering incorporating any topics talked about in this podcast into your own life, of course, do your own research as science is always changing and I'm definitely not an expert in these areas. Just wholeheartedly interested. So let's learn more about becoming a hippie Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Hippie Hour Podcast. This is Hannah. Uh, It's been a minute. I had the full intention of releasing this episode back in February when I posted about it and life just got really busy and kind of chaotic. So here it is now and I I hope you enjoy what I have to share to you today about mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, I feel like before we get into the nitty-gritty of this information today, I would just kind of give a brief check-in of, you know, why it's been a while since I've put an episode out. Uh, This has been my second-to-last in-person semester in PT school, so I have one more uh, eight-week, very short semester this summer uh, before I start clinical rotations, which is both exciting and really scary, so I've just been really bogged down with schoolwork. Uh, This spring has also just been generally pretty hard for me with migraines. I've been having a ridiculous amount of migraines the last couple months. It's been super annoying and I've kind of tried changing out medications and still, still figuring out other triggers for myself. So that's been a part of it. My stress has been higher due to school, but also just with the changing seasons, I always tend to have some sort of depression cycling going on there. Hopefully that goes away as we start to have warmer weather, which I'm excited about. Um, But something even more recent that has been on my mind lately that's been really affecting my mood and my emotions has been the passing of one of my sweet, sweet special needs um, kiddos, I like to say, that I PCA'd for. So if you don't know what PCA is it's personal care attendant. It's something uh, relatively easy to get into where um, you usually take care of somebody who needs extra help with um, daily needs, daily tasks. It can be special needs kids. It can be older adults who've had um, something like a stroke or a spinal cord injury. Uh, And it's usually a job that if you stay in it long enough, you get to have a really great connection with that person and their family and just a couple weeks ago, my my sweet kiddo Carson passed away from what I, I believe was a respiratory-related issue. You know, a lot of special needs kiddos can't fight off colds or viruses as well as others, and they can turn um, pretty dangerous pretty quickly. And thankfully, from what her family told me, it was just her time because it helped kind of alleviate any pain that she was in from her conditions that she had. And uh, they 
kind of were anticipating it because she was on hospice for a while beforehand. But of course, the passing of any child is always very emotionally overwhelming. And attending her funeral, I was telling one of my friends was probably the worst experience I've ever had in my life thus far. I've never attended a child's funeral, let alone one that I was very close to. And, you know, talking right now, it might sound like I'm fine or I've processed it, but it's still something that I just have had a lot of heavy emotions around. Um, I was with Carson for about two and a half years. So I started it, started working that job with her and her family before I went into PT school. So She's kind of been like my, my little teacher on pediatrics and kids with special needs from the get-go. And um, we have our pediatrics course finally this summer. And this whole time I've been really excited about getting to that point of my schooling where everything I've learned with Carson and all the things we've done together will be applicable in the classroom. Um, not to say that they won't be anymore, but there are just things that I will miss from spending weekends with her, um, doing things with her family that, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily downplay when I have my course of summer and feel, you know, feel like, oh, I wish that Carson was still here so I could do these things with her because, you know, she's in the right place now and, it's not like she didn't teach me anything. She taught me a lot and she'll always be my first teacher when it comes to pediatrics and taking care of special needs kids. So that's just been heavy on my mind. And if there's anyone in your life that you feel like might need a little extra hug or a hello, please reach out to them. I really appreciate the people in my life who were well aware of this going on and, um, you can be very tough on the outside externally because you don't want to bother people or burden people with your emotions, but checking in on your friends and your family frequently is, is very helpful because they might have something going on or more feelings than you expect surrounding an event like someone passing away in their life. So that's just a quick recap of what's been going on with me. Also, I'm at my parents' house right now. Nobody is here but I have five dogs in this room. So hopefully they stay quiet. Um, we got Ophelia at my feet here, the fat pug that my parents have, and she's snoring away. So you might hear that in the background, but it's a really calm, rainy day. I haven't done anything today. I actually was super tired in the middle of the day and took a two hour nap. And I, I think this weather is just like a reminder that it's okay to be a little lazy again. I know spring is kind of the time when we white, we try to get all our ducks in a row and we, we get really energetic about all the things we're going to do for the summer, but still got to take time to rest. You know, if you're tired, take a nap. If it's a rainy day and you just want to read a book and not be productive, do that. I have a really hard time remembering to do that. So I think that's nature's way of just reminding us of that concept. So let's Transition from that into our mindful moment. Um, wherever you're at, except if you're driving, you know the drill. Let's take a second to just close our eyes, take a couple deep breaths, and recenter ourselves, reset our 
brain, our body, anything that's going on internally. Let's let's take a moment here. So take a deep breath in through your nose. Slowly let it out through your mouth. And a couple more breaths like that at your own pace. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Take a second here to do a quick analysis of your body as well. What places in your body are you feeling tension? Are you feeling mental, emotional stress? Do a quick assessment of those feelings, whether they're physical or emotional. Note them, make a mental note of them, but then let them go. Kind of visualize them fluttering away out of your peripheral vision and continuing to focus on your breath. Take one more deep breath in through your nose. Exhale, sigh it out. And if you need a couple more moments here just to breathe deep and maybe you're really feeling this mindful moment and you want to continue it, just pause the podcast now and come back when you're ready. But for those who are ready to move on, Let's open our eyes and jump right into MBSR. So what is MBSR? Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, or MBSR, is an eight-week mindfulness training program that was first created by John Kabat-Zinn in 1979 at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. He initially created it for chronically ill patients who are not responding well to traditional treatments, but it is now used for a wide variety of reasons by hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. MBSR is supported by a wide body of research showing that it is effective at addressing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and general stress reduction. MBSR was shown to repeatedly help patients in those eight weeks and in some cases had proven effects up to four years later, which is really cool. It is a secular program and is one of the largest non-religiously based mindfulness meditation programs. Its roots do come from spiritual teachings, as do all mindfulness meditation programs, but it is largely based on proven medical and psychological research. Because of this, it is open to everyone and does not suggest any religion over another to its students. All of this information that I just read is direct quoted from mindfulleader.org. According to Kabat-Zinn, the basis of MBSR is mindfulness, which he defined as moment-to-moment non-judgmental awareness. During the program, participants are asked to focus on informal practice as well by incorporating mindfulness into their daily routines. Focusing on the present is thought to heighten sensitivity to the environment and one's own reactions to it, consequently enhancing self-management and coping with stress. It also provides an outlet from ruminating on the past or worrying about the future, breaking that cycle of maladaptive cognitive processes. So let's talk the research, the evidence on MBSR and and how that's important to consider when it comes to potentially introducing this technique to other people or patients. 
MBSR is based on a framework of psychological science, and it was developed for the use in medical settings to help patients cope better and to decrease pain and stress that these patients were experiencing it. It is extremely effective when used in combination with traditional treatments for physical ailments. So in other words, MBSR was initially a supplementary intervention added on to a patient's treatment plan to help manage their symptoms uh, better. Now it's also used as the standalone intervention for those looking to reduce their stress for any reason at all. MBSR is backed by many randomized controlled trials that verify its efficacy. For example, a 41% reduction in mortality over two years was observed when MBSR was added on to a patient's standard cardiac rehab treatment. Mindfulness is also an effective treatment for psychological conditions such as anxiety and depression and is beneficial in managing chronic pain conditions. Since its invention, studies observing the effects of MBSR have grown in both scope and quality. Early MBSR studies had small sample sizes and limited methodologies, which makes sense. And today, the benefits of MBSR have been confirmed by many large RCTs or randomized control trials. Studies on the effect of mindfulness interventions, including MBSR, indicate significant improvements in survival rates of melanoma and metastatic breast cancer patients. MBSR was also shown to decrease blood pressure in patients with hypertension, which, if you don't know what that means, that means high blood pressure, to a degree comparable to medications or other lifestyle interventions like sodium reduction in a diet or introduction of exercise. Beyond individual studies, MBSR has been consistently supported in systematic reviews and meta-analyses, which are considered the the gold standard or the strongest level of evidence um, within scientific research uh, for informing practice decisions in science and medicine. A brief search on PubMed shows that out of 71 meta-analyses and systematic reviews, 56 showed at least a small to moderate positive effect on symptom management, mental health, or quality of life. 14 of these reviews showed inconclusive or only preliminary evidence, and only one analysis looking at data from trials assessing MBSR's effectiveness in improving attentiveness and executive function found it to be ineffective. Dr. Kabat-Zinn, who created MBSR, was influenced by Buddhist meditative tradition, but designed MBSR to be fully secular so that people with any set of beliefs could benefit from it. The goal of the program as a whole is to reduce stress and learn how to more gracefully handle the challenges of life, not to have a religious or spiritual experience, which some people might uh, feel like that's what's being conveyed from hearing it being mindfulness or meditation. As the use of MBSR expanded outside of the UMass Medical Center, the program was studied more and more as a tool for stress reduction in populations with other diseases and has since been expanded further to aid the mental well-being of the general public. There are well-understood biological reasons why this makes sense, that stress reduction improves physical and mental well-being. Emotional stress can be a root cause of many diseases, and it can be a major impairment to recovery from injuries and trauma. And we talk about this a lot in my physical therapy program that chronic pain patients often have higher levels of reported pain, um, which causes increased stress or having increased stress or anxiety can vice versa, increase the amount of inflammation and pain that is happening in your body. There's a very serious and well-documented connection with um, 
your mind and your body being very integrated together. Strong, consistent evidence has been found that people who received mindfulness-based interventions, such as MBSR, had more favorable emotional and cognitive reactions to stress. MBSR is not a cure-all and isn't used as the sole treatment for disease in hospitals, of course, but outside of hospitals, MBSR training can be a central fixture in an effort to improve mental well-being and reduce stress. Again, all of that information and previous information talking about this research is directly quoted from mindfulleader.org. Moving on, scientific evidence of the debilitating effects of stress on the human body and its evolutionary origins were pinpointed by the work of Robert Sapolsky and explored for lay readers in the book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. If you don't know about Robert Sapolsky, you should really just take a second to look into him. Really cool guy. If you are interested in stress in general, he is like the stress researcher. If you have studied stress in any capacity. He's always brought up. He is still currently a professor of biology and professor of neurology and neurological sciences um, at Stanford. And in addition, he is still a research associate at the National Museums of Kenya. He basically just did this really cool study in um, Kenya, I believe, on these monkeys. And basically looking at what happens when there's different alpha male and female and subordinates uh, in the the pack environment of of these monkeys. Um, I think they're baboons and how having those different like subordinate, insubordinate levels determines stress and how that affects their body. So he did a lot of really cool research on that. I think there's a documentary that you can watch on Robert Sapolsky and his study as well. But again, that book is Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Engaging in mindfulness meditation brings out significant reductions in psychological stress and appears to prevent the associated physiological changes and biological clinical manifestations that happen as a result of psychological stress. So long story short, we understand that stress has this huge impact on the human body and that it's very connected to how you're perceiving the world around you, you know, with this monkey example, if you're perceiving that you are not in a position of power and you're having a lot of anxiety because this leader monkey is influencing you in a way that's causing you a lot of stress, that directly leads to manifestations in the body that can eventually lead to disease or, um, you know, ulcers is the key word why zebras don't get ulcers. Ulcers is, as we know, very linked to anxiety and stress. People often develop ulcers because of that. Um, so having a mindfulness program to help reduce mental emotional stress can obviously impact uh, physical manifestations of that stress. The implementation of MBSR is also pretty interesting, how it's grown at, in not just being in medical settings, but in workplaces as well. So according to a 2014 article in Time magazine, mindfulness meditation is becoming popular among people who would not normally consider meditation. Uh, and again, this curriculum was started by Kabat-Zinn at UMass Medical Center and has produced nearly a thousand certified MBSR instructors who are in nearly every state in the United States and in more than 30 countries. Corporations such as General Mills, which I believe is here in Minnesota, 
have made MBSR instruction available to their employees or set aside rooms for meditation, which is really cool. Democratic Congressman Tim Ryan published a book in 2012 titled A Mindful Nation, and he has helped organize regular group meditation periods on Capitol Hill, which is really neat to see that I'm sure this has become less and less of a uh, taboo subject. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that's the right word, but I know that mindfulness and meditation for a long time has been seen as a really hippie practice, which is why we're talking about it here on the Hippie Hour podcast. Um, but so many people nowadays too talk about having an app on their phone for meditation or mindfulness and how it's slowly just becoming a normal thing that people understand and appreciate and can see the positive effects of it on their mind and their body. So if you can incorporate it into your workplace, I highly recommend that you do because that would be a really great thing to do for not only yourself, but your coworkers, your employees, whoever you're with at work. So that's great and all, all the information on MBSR is great and all, but what are the principles of MBSR? Like what makes it different than just meditating for, you know, 15 minutes a day with your eyes closed, focusing on your breath? So there were seven principles of MBSR that I found. However, I'm sure it varies slightly depending on the sources. And since this is something that you do need to take a training for, I'm not quite sure if it's just out there for free on the internet. These are probably just general principles people who have taken the course shared, but the the details and the really deep meanings of it are probably more available in those training courses. So if you're interested, I'll share at the end two uh, opportunities that you can have to get trained in MBSR. So the seven main principles that I found for uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction practice is one, mind and body awareness, two, exploration of stress, three, equanimity in the face of change, four, non-judgmental awareness, five, promotion of serenity and clarity, six, inner tools for stress management, and seven, mindful meditation. And I'll go through and touch on each of these briefly. If you do want to write these down, um, if you're a journaler, I recommend just rewinding and then writing down one through seven what those mindful practices are. So let's briefly touch on each of those seven. First is mind and body awareness. So that might be a little more self-explanatory than the rest. So that's doing things such as mindful movement, yoga, focusing on that body-brain connection. What are the things that you can do in your life that incorporate both uh, mental stress relief and physical stress relief together? Uh, one for me is obviously yoga, but I also think running for me, if I can get in the right zone and I start to check out and my running is automatic, can be this really great uh, marriage of my physical body relieving stress along with my mental body or my mental state, rather, escaping and finding a, a zone where I feel really good and relaxed. Two is exploration of stress. So I imagine this is along the lines of answering questions such as what stressors do you have in your life? When do you feel stressed? Why do you feel stressed? That exploration part is really key at determining in your life specifically what is stress to you? How are you perceiving it? When is it coming up most often? Um, and just really examining that stress instead of letting it be this passive 
thing that you just have all the time. Three is equanimity in the face of change, which I had to recite that word a few times because it's still pretty foreign to me. I looked it up and equanimity is essentially uh, emotional agility, which is also a recent episode of a TED Talk podcast on how to be a better human that I listened to that was really cool. Um, And the person being interviewed has written a book on emotional agility. It's you know, kind of your management of emotions during stressful situations and how you can kind of stay at a really solid baseline despite these changes around you happening and uh, stress increasing your emotions stay level and you're level-headed. Four is non-judgmental judgmental awareness. So being aware of your thoughts and actions without casting judgment upon them, upon yourself. This is the notion that, you know, it is what it is. Having that acceptance of, you know, not taking things personally, this is just how, you know, this day is. There's no judgment associated with that. So, for example, if you're feeling really stressed and you notice that you're feeling a lot of anger or anxiety or um, whatever other emotions come up, you note that, but you don't make yourself think that you have to change that or that, like, it's a bad thing that I'm angry or I shouldn't be stressed out. Like, I don't have a right to be stressed out about this. Why do I care? That's judgment that you're casting on those thoughts. And uh, just being aware of it without having judgment is a key component of MBSR. Five is promotion of serenity and clarity. So essentially reflecting on what are the things that bring serenity and clarity into your life. They could be hobbies. They could be specific activities that you do. Uh, Just a note, serenity is defined as the state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled, and clarity is defined as the quality or state of being clear. So thinking about those two things, serenity and clarity, reflecting on when do I feel those emotions the most in my life. So I think I shared on Instagram a bunch of different infographics um, on one through seven of MBSR. And for promotion of serenity and clarity, I believe I have this little uh, cartoon person painting. And that's not necessarily something for me that promotes serenity and clarity, but I know for a lot of people, it gives them a sense of calm and peace. Doing anything artistic, honestly, I think can help promote that. So whatever it is for you, maybe it's going for a walk in nature, Maybe it's, you know, taking an extra 10 minutes in the morning to uh, wake up and have a cup of coffee by the window and not think about anything. Whatever it is for you, that's, you know, again, examining it, writing it down, looking at it and and trying to promote that more into your life. Six is inner tools for stress management. So what works for you to manage your stress? What are ways that you can adjust your inner voice and thoughts to reduce the stress that you experience day to day? That's, again, a very personalized one. Everyone is going to be different in terms of stress management and making sure that you have those tools handy within so that when stress comes up is really key for being able to reduce the amount of stress that you're experiencing in your life. The last one is mindful meditation, which is also very uh, self-explanatory. And that's basically just incorporating a mindfulness or meditation practice into your daily routine, whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes, making time to sit and meditate or be mindful. You know, 
how I start the podcast is with a mindful moment. If it's one minute, a couple times a day where you just need to take a second to close your eyes and um, breathe, that is a huge change maker when it comes to reducing stress. Whenever I'm having a really stressful day or having a lot of things to do in one day, which can be really overwhelming, whenever I pause and I let myself reset, it makes a huge dramatic difference on the stress that I'm experiencing. So again, those seven are mind and body awareness, exploration of stress, equanimity in the face of change, non-judgmental awareness, promotion of serenity and clarity, inner tools for stress management, and mindful meditation. So as we wrap up here on MBSR, let me just share with you a training opportunity for uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction, that eight-week training that you can do at a local place. Again, I've shared the Center for Spirituality and Healing many times. It's at the Bakken Center University of Minnesota has. Uh, and if you're listening from outside Minnesota, thankfully this program is available via Zoom or in person. And uh, again, that's the Center for Spirituality and Healing at the University of Minnesota. And the MBSR class that they have has this really great sliding scale structure for cost. So the suggested registration fee is $449. However, they have scholarship prices for $299 to $399. So you kind of set it yourself. And then those who maybe are um, able to afford paying more to help sponsor others can pay in the range of $499 to $599. Uh, CSH, Center for Spirituality and Healing, does say on this website a uh, link to the MBSR training. They say, we do not want cost to be a barrier to participating in our programming. If you are not able to pay one of the listed registration fees, please reach out to us at mindprg at umn.edu. We will arrange for you to participate in the program at a reduced fee or at no cost. And uh, there's an upcoming online registration for MBSR on Zoom on June 7th, 2022 from 12 to 1 p.m. in case you're interested in this training. Um, I would highly suggest if you're interested in trying to find ways to reduce your own stress or you're interested in learning more about this so you can teach it to others, that getting a, a training in it would be best Obviously, if cost is an issue, contact mindprg at umn.edu or find another uh, program that you can do this through because I'm sure there's many other opportunities throughout the U.S. to find programs in MBSR. If you do like to journal, the journal prompt for today would be to choose one of those seven principles of MBSR and just jot some notes down about how you could work on that particular principle this week. So if you want to work on mind and body connection, what's something that you can do like yoga or mindful movement movement that you can incorporate into your week? What's one thing? You don't need to list all seven and go through and write, I'm going to do seven new things this week. You know, we know that that's not how habits are formed. You got to start really small. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this info on MBSR. I thought it was really interesting and I'm excited to hopefully do a training in this um, when I have the opportunity to, because I think teaching this to my patients would also be very effective, especially when it comes to pain and management of pain. Um, thanks again, though, for listening to the Hippie Hour podcast. Until next time, stay happy. And my dogs are starting to bark now, so it's time to go. <laughs> uh, see you guys next time. 
Acknowledgements for this episode of the Hippie Hour podcast are to mindfulleader.org's article on MBSR, Wikipedia's article on mindfulness-based stress reduction, and the Center for Spirituality and Healing at the University of Minnesota's MBSR article in training program.